Good morning. If you have a copy of God's Word handy, if you would be turning to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll begin there in just a moment. As always, we're grateful that you're here. To any visitors that are with us today, we're thankful that you've come our way. As Gary mentioned, of course, it is a, a beautiful, wonderful day outside, and we're thankful to God for that, but also a wonderful opportunity presents itself to be together with the family of God, to worship together, to encourage ourselves, and we're thankful that you've chosen to be here for worship today. Hope that you can stay and be a part of lunch if you're able. Stay and be a part of our afternoon service and then certainly still have a good portion of the day to maybe be with family or enjoy some time before the work week begins, but we're thankful for this moment that presents itself now. I want to say thank you as we try to always do to our men who help lead in our worship. Appreciate Charles and the selection of songs and to Ricky and his thoughtfulness and his prayer. I'm going to have to stop thanking Robert because he's going to steal all my thunder when he uh, does the thoughts before the Lord's Supper. Uh, I can't compete with someone who taught in the school system for I don't even know how many years. Uh, Robert has such a way of putting things in a simple way that we can understand it. I know the impact and, uh, that he had on many of you, but so many in this community over the years through the school system, and uh, I do enjoy even getting to sit here at the front and listen to him and, and him explain to us uh, some things and help us understand as we think about uh, the Lord and his death, burial, and resurrection. As we think about 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to focus this morning in particular on 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7 can be, can be a very calming verse. It's used often in lessons today. I don't know how many times I might have used it before, but it's used quite often today by preachers in lessons about worry or fear or even this word on the screen now, this idea of our anxieties. Even lessons on prayer sometimes. We talk about 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. I mentioned that we'd love to have you back with us this afternoon at 1.30. Both lessons today are going to focus on a breakdown, if you will, of the verses that we're going to examine. This afternoon, it'll be a lesson, or excuse me, a verse from Hebrews, but this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. We're going to try to, to break down a little bit the verse or verses to help us understand what God wants us to know. It's the kind of study that I think sometimes is a little difficult for us, for each one of us individually. I want us to think about the words that are used, and sometimes as preachers, it helps us to dig into the Greek words, the original language, and sometimes for us, that can be a little difficult on our own. Uh, we can read the scripture, and we can try to understand the context, and don't get me wrong, we can absolutely glean from it. You don't have to understand every Greek word or the original language to be blessed by the word of God. But sometimes we can pick out little nuggets as we dig a little deeper. And my hope is that by the, lesson, by the time the lesson is over this morning, and maybe even certainly this afternoon, we will have a better understanding of God's word. There is no doubt, as we think about, again, this picture on the screen to begin, that we live in a world of anxiety, of people having anxious feelings, anxious people in anxious times. And you know me, I try my best to be clear. And so I want to say up front, certainly, that, that this is a general, uh, general discussion of this word anxiety and, and worries. 
As we've even studied in the past together from this pulpit, there are many people who suffer uh, from more clinical diagnoses and anxiety issues that often require medication to help maybe balance out their, their worries or to balance out their minds. And, and that's sort of a different discussion here. This is not that, but this is not what Peter is saying here. If he's not talking about some kind of diagnosis where you go to to a particular person who maybe can prescribe you some medication to help with some things that you're struggling with, what is he saying? And what we want to do this morning is dive in and try to find out. The first thing we want to examine this morning is the context. You know, as we think about 1 Peter 5, 7, in and of itself, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you, it's one of those verses that would make a good shirt, right? It probably is maybe on a t-shirt that someone wears, and it's fine to simply read it, but what about the larger context? If you opened up to 1 Peter 5, notice beginning in verse number 1 that Peter is giving instructions to elders, to elders who are leading the congregation. But the main point here is that while there are elders and elders are to lead and they are to lead well, we as the sheep are to submit. We are to yield. We are to humble ourselves. Notice in verse 1, it talks about the elders. Verse 2, how they are to shepherd. And we, as they are shepherding, are, are not to follow out of compulsion. And of course, them not to lead for dishonest gain. But you begin to see this idea of humility. The thought continues in verse number 5. We've read verse 7, but you may notice in your Bible, depending on the version you have, it's not the beginning of a sentence. Go back to verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, here's our theme, the context, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Notice as we look at these three verses that the emphasis is that we have humility. Multiple times here. Humble yourselves. God gives grace to the humble. Be submissive. Be clothed with humility. All of these tell us that we have to be humble. And notice there's a mention of elders. There is this discussion. Someone may say, though, looking at verse number 5, with the idea of you younger people, that that may not even be the elders of the church. This may be a general encouragement for our younger people to listen to and to be encouraged by their elders. Because it also says to be submissive to one another. You see, this is not some kind of leading thing where the elders are in charge. You better obey and that's it. We are to be submissive to one another. And here's the thing. He, we can ask the question, why? Why, Peter? Why is it that we are to be submissive? Why is it that we are to humble ourselves? Because he, that's he, that's God, resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Because when we are proud... He resists us. When we get that prideful attitude about ourselves, he is going to sort of pull back, 
More so than in a human way, we do that sometimes. If we know that someone is proud, we'll kind of withdraw ourselves a little bit. God, in a sense, does that, though not in our human mindset. He stands against us when we are too proud. He stands against us. He knows the improper attitude that we have, but, but, as the end of verse 5 says there, but when we are humble, he extends his grace. And not only will he extend his grace, but verse 6 tells us that he will also exalt us in due time or in the proper time. What does it say? In due time. What does it not say? Not in my time. Not in our time. You see, what we want is we want to be exalted now. We want to be lifted up in such a way that everyone will look at us. And God says, it's not about you and your time. I will exalt you in due time or proper time. Here's the thing. That may not be in earthly time. I agree. As a human being, which I am, as a man, which I am, I agree. It is frustrating when people who live sinful lifestyles have all the money. When it is people in sinful lifestyles who get all the attention, who seem to have everything here in this life that you could ever want. I agree that's frustrating. But what we want is for God to exalt us in our time. You see, we need to show them who's boss. And so we should be exalted. You know what that is? That's pride. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the thing is, it may not be in this life. As we know that scripture tells us, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Everyone will bow one day. We can take comfort in that. We should humble ourselves and have humility. What does the passage say? The passage says we need to have humility. But what's a secondary question? Not just why, but how. How is it that we are to have humility in this life? And the passage says in verse 7, by casting all our cares upon him. We are humble when we cast all our cares upon him. Notice the emphasis again. Submissive, submit, be clothed, put on humility. How do we do that? We cast all our anxieties. We cast all of our cares upon him. Now, there are a few versions, and you may or may not have one in front of you this morning, but there are a few versions of the Bible that make verse 7 a completely new verse. The, the New King James I'm looking at in front of me has a comma at the end of verse number 6. Don't worry, we won't stay in the English here too long. And verse 7 begins with a lowercase letter, right? Continuing the thought. Some versions make it a new sentence. And some leave it as I think it should be, a part or a concluding thought of what's taking place here. How do we have humility? We cast our care upon him. When we have pride, we think we don't need God. That's what it is, right? When we have pride, we think we don't need him. He doesn't need to know about my cares and anxieties. He can't do anything anyway. I'll take care of it myself. That is pride talking. When we have pride, we don't cast all of our cares upon him because we don't need him. We can do it. How is it that we are to have humility? 
we cast our anxieties and our cares and our thoughts upon him. So if we are to do that, and we are to take some comfort from this particular passage, let's then, as I said, try to go through and break it down a little more. Think about a few of the words that are used here, because I think there is some real comfort when you understand exactly what verse 7 is saying. As we break it down, let's think first of all about the word anxiety or care that's mentioned here. The word anxiety or anxieties, and again, depending on the version you have in front of you, the Greek word is merimna, merimna, which means care or anxiety. Now, to help us understand this, I want you to hold your place there and go over to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. To help us understand what this word means and how it's used, let's notice another context for this word. If you open to Matthew chapter 13, you may begin to see that in verses 3 through 9, Jesus tells the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower who goes out to sow the seed. And the seed falls on various soils. And in particular, verse number 7, it tells us that some of the seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Now we go over to verses 18 through 23, and Jesus gives us the explanation of the parable. You see, he truly was the master teacher. I give Robert a hard time about being such a great teacher, and I try my best to be a good teacher, but Jesus was the master teacher, and he explains it this way in verse 22. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the marimna, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. And they choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. To understand what he's talking about in 1 Peter chapter, <coughs> excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 5, we need to understand this word, and Jesus tells us that here in the parable of the sower, when he says that it is the anxieties of the world that sometimes choke us out. This is the care. And so you begin to see again, this is not some kind of clinical diagnosis. This is not sometimes maybe even an imbalance as we think about in someone's mind where they struggle and they spend so much time maybe with with someone who can help them, a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist or someone, seeing someone who can help them work through these things. It's a little different than that. We're talking about the cares, the anxieties, the concerns. Notice in verse 22, if you were still there, but Jesus goes and says, the deceitfulness of riches, the things of this life that bother us, this is the anxiety. Now, that word, that marimna, that Greek word there, is maybe best described this way. Being drawn in different direction. The idea behind this word is being drawn in different directions. So again, more than just something else that we commonly think of when we think of the word anxiety. It meant, that word meant something that distracts us or something that divides our attention. I won't make you raise your hand. I won't make you give a personal example. But is there anything in this life that distracts you? Is there anything in this life that divides your attention? Is there anything that is a care or an anxiety? 
when Peter is talking about casting all your cares upon him, we begin to see the picture as we look at the words of Jesus and we understand that this word means to draw us in different directions. I know that you've been pulled in different directions, right? If you've worked a job, if you've been a parent, if you've lived this life, you have more than likely had time where you've been pulled in different directions. That's the anxieties and the cares that Peter is talking about here. But while we're breaking down the sentence, let's go forward to one more word. All. Add on top of our look at the word anxieties, the very small, but the very large word, all. Of course, it's small in size, but it's large in meaning. Peter means... What Peter is saying by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, literally God breathed, Peter means all. Every single thing. Every bit. And the point is, once you add all onto every care or anxiety, what you have then is a very powerful statement. Think about if Peter's writing and he says, well, why, why don't you, while you're at it, if you got a little free time, why don't you just cast some of your cares over to God? You know, just those little things that are bothering you. Or, how about just the big things? You know, God doesn't have time for the little things, just the big things. While you're thinking about it, just cast some of those big things over to God. When Peter is saying, cast all your cares upon him, think about the implication of that. Literally, cast all that you have that would divide your attention from God upon him. Do you understand? Do you fully comprehend that? I mean, I don't sometimes in my life. All, everything, anything in this life that takes your focus away from the Father, cast it upon him. Do you mean my grief? Do you mean my sorrow? Yep. Do you mean my financial struggles or do you mean the bills that are stacking up that I have to pay? Absolutely. Do you mean my health and the diagnoses that I receive that scare me about my life and my future, the things that trouble me? Absolutely. Do you mean my activities, my social life or the sports or the things that sometimes I have to do? All that you have that would divide your attention from God. Give him everything. Let him handle it. Let him work. Put your trust in him. I appreciate Charles leading the song we sang just a moment ago. Day by day and with each passing moment, I find strength to meet my trials here. Trusting in my father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. I think it's a song that we don't sing that often and so we, maybe it doesn't mean as much to us when we don't think about the words because we don't think about it that much, don't sing it that often. Casting everything upon him, I have no cause for worry or for fear. And here's the kicker. As we think about this verse and, and we think about casting all your care upon him, that's great. I think we can do that. But why? Why is it that we should cast it all upon him? And the powerful part that follows that is, because he cares for you. Do you understand that? Do you, do you fully comprehend that? Because I don't think that I do sometimes. The God of heaven who created the world 
and everything in it. He cares for you. He cares for me. He's not some nameless, faceless spirit in the nothing that doesn't hear. He is almighty God and he cares for you. He is the source. He is Jehovah God. He cares for me. And here's the thing. I was thinking about it and and trying to make it where we can understand it right. I, I don't want to get political too much. But I was thinking about the fact that we have a president, right, who's supposed to serve the people. But most of us feel like, well, he doesn't know me. He doesn't know my name. He doesn't care about me. Bring it down further. We've got senators. We've got representatives. We have congressmen and congresswomen who are supposed to serve us. But what is it that usually happens? They don't know me. They don't care about me. I can't reach out to them. Oh, sure, I can go online and fill out a form and send it to them by email. But, but I don't even know if they're ever going to read it. And I don't mean to, 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 again, get political and break all that down in that way. But it's not that way with God. It's not. Yes, your representatives who are supposed to be powerful and answer for you don't know you. But God knows you. He cares for you. And with that in mind, we are able to cast all of our cares upon him. It's not the president. It's not someone in political power. It's the God of heaven who knows me and cares for me. And with that in mind, I feel like I can do anything. I feel like I can bring those things to him. And sometimes we struggle. You know what the young people always ask, right? Maybe you were there, you remember. Is it okay for me to pray about my final exam to God, right? Those are the kinds of things. You know, is it okay for me to bring these things to him? We feel like sometimes things are trivial. I understand. Sometimes things do feel a little trivial for us to God. Casting all your care, all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. How wonderful it is to realize that. The fact that he cares brings about such great blessings. And here is the application for today. As we try to think about our life and what does this mean for us, here is the application point. The implication is this statement here. Excuse me. The things that are distracting you and that are pulling you in different directions simply cannot care for you the way that he can. And the way that he does. What we do when we give our focus to those things is we give them all of our attention and all of our care and we lose focus on God. We are divided in our focus. We are distracted. They cannot care for us the way that he can. A few passages to reinforce this. Psalm 55 and verse 22 Psalm 55 and verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. You see, we live in a different time, right? We're not living in the Old Testament times, but the God of heaven is still the God of heaven. He still cares about his people. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. Then let's go to the New Testament. What about Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6? Be anxious for nothing. For nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. That's the power. That's the key. That's the connection here to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 
Don't be anxious. Don't be divided. But pray to him. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. One more passage, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. In the great Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6 beginning in verse 25. We won't take the time to read the whole section. Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 34. I preached on this. Was that earlier this year? I can't remember sometimes myself. The names of God. That may have been last year. We worked through the names of God and we talked about the name Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. And that has come to mean so much more to me through that study. To think about how he cares for the birds of the air, verse 26. How he cares about the lilies of the field, verse 28. And the question, how much more does he love you? If he's going to care for the birds of the air, if he's going to care for the lilies of the field, how much more does he love me? He's going to care for me. He's going to take care of me. Verse 30, if he clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. It is wonderful and comforting to read something like this from the words of Peter, but to understand in context that we should take anything that distracts us and we should cast it upon him. Because he does care. He does care for you and he does care for me. There are times when we feel alone. There's times when we feel left down. But he is still there. As the God of heaven who created the world and everything in it. He loves you and he loves me. And we should strive our best to not be divided and distracted. But to give those things to him. Because he loves us and we can show that we love him in that way. Ultimately, God has shown his care in providing a way of salvation, right? We've talked about it in general terms this morning already. But when we think about God and his care for us, he could say all day, well, I care and I'm listening, but he has shown it. He has taken forth the steps to show that he loves us by giving us a way of salvation. Sometimes, sometimes our worry and our fear and our anxiety in this life comes because we know that we don't have a right relationship with God. It's why we pause at the end of our services each time to sing a song of encouragement that we're about to do. In particular, this morning, one of our elders will come to the front to receive you if you'd like to come and make something known, to share something, to cast some anxiety or fear or worry upon or care upon God. We stop at the end of service to do this because it matters that you are right with God. And sometimes it feels like all these other things going on, but the base root cause is that we know that our relationship with God is not right. If you're here this morning and you've never become a Christian, God's simple plan of salvation is made available. It is made in such a way that you can see, as we usually list on the screen here, what the Bible says a person needs to do to be saved. Or if you would like to study with us as soon as possible, we would sit down and go over each of these scriptures and what the Bible says about salvation. Ultimately, you are baptized for the remission of your sins. It's the blood of Christ that takes away sin, and the Lord adds you to his church. But it's difficult to remain faithful. 
God has provided this simple plan, and you can't obey it this morning. But many of you in this room have already done that, and you realize that the cares and anxieties of this world, they get us down. They wear on us, and when they do, sin creeps in, and we struggle to remain faithful. Brother or sister, if you're here this morning, you're a child of God already. As we say, the Bible doesn't talk about being baptized time and time and time again. You can confess your sins before God, repent of those, and pray to him, and he will forgive. We're thankful for that means of salvation. We're thankful for that second law of pardon. Maybe you're here this morning, you need to become a Christian. Maybe you're here this morning, you need to come back to him. Maybe as we've talked about, you simply want to come forward and make your cares known to your brothers and sisters so that we can pray with you and for you. Whatever it may be, we sing to encourage as we stand together and as we sing.